For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings so we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 94 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhardt. And I'm your host, Will Witten. Yes, he is back at it again in the saddle on the tandem bike. Oh, you trimmed your beard, buddy. Yeah, I trimmed see. it down. Trimmed it down. Do you feel less powerful like Samson? No, not really. Maybe if I shaved my head. But I've done that before and still didn't feel less powerful. You walked in... One night after I shaved my head. Uh, I was like, holy fuck, what happened to my friend with the long, luxurious hair? Mm. Anyway, um, so we got some Han Solo news to talk about that this week. Really? going to be the main thing we talk about this week. <laughs> and, of course, we've got a bunch of emails and voicemails. Really? Which I'm going to tell you guys, I'm going to get to as many as I can. Um. You guys really sent them in this week. Thank you very much. But before we get all to all that, how about we do some business? Oh, my favorite my favorite part. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. And email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. You can buy our stuff on TeePublic at tpublic.com slash user slash blue harvest podcast and guess what guys we've got a new shirt up and it is flying off the digital shelves it is the kia d ride the lightning shirt that is right a mashup between metallica's ride the lightning and our favorite cock-headed jedi and boy is it amazing boy was richie's idea great and boy did evan kill it and damn does that logo that ben did look on it god Damn, that's a nice-looking shirt. You guys should get you one. So, Will, uh, last week we had uh, Jason Ward on. Unfortunately, the man himself. You couldn't make it, but did you know that Jason Ward is the editor-in-chief of a little site called uh, Making Star Wars? And did you know <laughs> that we are part of the uh, Making Star Wars podcast network? I thought I did, but I do now for sure. Oh, shit. We are. We are. 
and we are among some podcasting greats, such as now giants. this is giants. Now this is podcasting. Steel Wars, Rebel Girl, Cantina Cast, Idiots Array, Rogue One, Tarkin's Top Shelf, The Cargo Hold, and First Order Transmissions. Son. I see that Rebel Girl merchandise on the Facebooks, too. They got some cool merchandise. Yeah, I don't know who the artist is that did all the different female characters for him, but there's, it's a really cool style. and like It's cool. Every now and then, I'll see like Elaine or somebody else that I'll follow on Twitter post one of their shirts, and I'll be like, oh, I didn't know they had a, a Saj Ventress version. That shit right. looks cool. Yeah, it looks real cool. Anyway. That is neat. That's the business. That is the business for this week. You're so good at the business. Uh, you know what? I'm going to be honest. Like Right before I started hitting record, I was like, man, I'm tired. Do I want a podcast? I got a podcast. Let's do it. Hit record. Came on like fucking just that one guitar just blew him away. <laughs> widdly, widdly, wong. Gotta be a podcast hero. Who knows? Who knows? All right. So, um, how's your week been, buddy? It's been good. Nice. Nice. Uh, been looking forward to this with you. I am in full-on Mass Effect Andromeda mode right now where yeah, you are. I am losing sleep because I'm staying up later than I normally do. And I'm constantly thinking about it. It's got its hooks in me, Will. I can't I stop. It. I need it. I saw some clips of it online, and I can see why you're so enthralled. I got to say, I was talking to our uh, good buddy Brad Love today, because he's also a massive Mass Effect fan. And mm -hmm. we were sort of comparing the plot to Andromeda in some very broad ways to The Force Awakens. You know, it's the new... It's the new movie after a really, you know, the successful much trilogy. Sequel. Yes. And it's new planets that look kind of like old planets, but there's a lot of familiar species and stuff hanging around. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. But man, is it it's good. that new old vibe. Yes. Um. So, what... Uh, what do we got to talk about? Han Solo. Han Solo news. Got a couple of interesting pieces of Han Solo news. Our buddy uh, Woody Harrelson, which by the way, you know Woody Harrelson came out a few days ago and said he don't smoke weed no more. Who said that? Woody Harrelson. Really? I, I don't I'm believe. I'm kind of disappointed now. I, I don't believe it for one goddamn minute. I'm telling you right now. He, he, he's like, oh, shit, I'm working on Star Wars. I'm working for Disney. I better tone down all the weed talk. Clean that image up a little bit. Maybe, maybe does that he mean does. you don't hang out with Willie Nelson or Matthew McConaughey anymore? Because that would suck, too. Or Snoop Dogg? Snoop Dogg. Talk about some cool folks that I would hang out with. Yes, sir. Um... Yeah, but anyway, Woody Harrelson was on one of the late night talk shows last night. Was it Jimmy Fallon, maybe? And he revealed his character name from uh, the upcoming Han Solo movie. Really? And what is it? Garrus Shrike. No, I'm just fucking with you. It's Beckett. 
Remember a couple of months back, everybody, he, like somebody at a press conference asked him, are you playing Garrus Shrike, Han Solo's mentor in the Han Solo movie? Garrus Shrike or Shriek or however you say that dude's name as a character from one of those expanded universe books. Oh my and, goodness. And Woody was like, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm playing yeah, him. Totally that guy. You said his name's Barrett? Garrett. Beckett. 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 That I was thinking a... Final Fantasy there for a second. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, yes, B- Beckett. And um, so that's interesting. And he did mention that he's playing a, uh, his mentor. Once again, that's sort of, you know, that was the rumor when he was up for the role. And it's been the rumor ever since. And it got sort of confirmed. So that looks like it's to, to be the case. Um I also believe he said he's shooting until June or July, so that to me sounds like a pretty st- substantial substantial role. And then today, uh, some reports came out that Bob Iger said, and that's you know the president of Disney, that right. the Han Solo movie will cover a six-year span of time from when he's eighteen to twenty-four. So this movie is going to cover six years in one movie. Now, you know, how many years did Rogue One technically cover when it starts with young Jin? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I see. So, I mean, you could say Rogue One covered a much longer span of time than it really did. And, like, Harrison Ford was, like, 30 when he was Han Solo, right? Yes. So there's still six years worth of getting into after that left for storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know that Harrison Ford was 30. Does that mean that Han Solo was 30? I mean, I would assume. I I think he's around 30. Yeah. I think he's supposed to be around 30 in a new hope. I think he's because, you know, he plays, um, sort of the older character to the younger Han and Leia, you know? Right. And Leia's like 19. Um, Luke's like 19 as well, I think. Yeah, somewhere around there. Um, I'm sorry, I'm just getting some very important uh, text from our guest last week, Jason Ward. I am so sorry, guys. I'm putting the phone down. I will... Get back to him in just a second. I got to focus on you guys. I am so sorry. I'm out of it. So, yeah. That leaves, you know, between the end of the first Han Solo movie and episode four, six years, that they could presumably fill in with sequels if they wanted to. But he also had some other sort of juicy information that he said. He said that in this movie, we will see Han finding the Falcon, meeting nice. meeting Chewbacca, And getting his name. Getting his name. Now, that's the part that people are starting to talk about right now. Does some people think that means that Han Solo went by another name before he became Han Solo? Some people think, well, the one I personally think is what he meant was making a name for himself. 
right in the smuggling world as you smuggler know smuggler or scoundrel like. right <clears throat> yes yes so i think um uh that that could be more of the case i just don't see them throwing in this new information on han solo where he went by fucking bob dick butt or whatever they're gonna say Bob's, his name he was bob solo bob but then he solo. decided that han sounded much better well you know what it was was he was han job han job solo <laughs> and he decided you know what we'll just shorten that shit to job that all right so i gotta sorry about the mass effect talk i gotta i got one more thing i gotta add so you know how in mass effect one two and three the protagonist that you play no matter what his last name is shepherd yeah. and you get to make the first name and they just call right. you Shepard in the game. Right. I always my guy from Mass Effect 1, 2 and 3 was always Jack, Jack. Shepard, right? Yeah. Well, the protagonist in Andromeda's automatic last name is Ryder. So I'm Richard Ryder. Now, how would you shorten Richard Ryder? Dick Dick, Dick Ryder. Ryder. My name is Dick Ryder, son. <laughs> Oh, tricky dick. Dick Ryder going around the galaxy, saving people. Oh, you can always rely on old Dick Ryder. He'll never let you down. But <laughs> um, yeah, what do you think about this? Finding, do you think that's too much for a movie? Finding the Falcon, meeting Chewie, and getting his name? I mean, it'll be epic. You know, like, from what I, I mean... From what we understand, I mean, it, does that mean Han Solo found the Falcon before he lost it to um, Lando and then won it back? Did he gamble <laughs> away the Falcon and then, like, win yeah. it back in a gamble? Or did he, you know, they say you say find the Falcon. I mean, I was mean... always under the impression that he won it from Lando. Right. Well, what I mean, when they say find the Falcon, I think that's just sort of like he found the he Falcon, acquires. but it was with someone with some No, I think that's like I, I I think he, you know, what they he may mean is he meets Lando and Lando has the Falcon at that point. You see what I'm okay. saying? He I finds the, he finds the Falcon, but the Falcon is with another man. Or right. maybe it's with whoever had it before Lando. Right. You know? Uh, maybe that's Woody's character. Character. Maybe Woody is the, uh, or, you know, the owner of the Falcon before Lando, and then Lando gets it, and then Han gets it from Lando, and I made a few special modifications myself. I think that would be cool to see he him working a, on the Falcon. He's he installed a flashlight in the cockpit, and they're Ooh. like, "Oh, really?" He's like, "Yeah, that's really the only modification." But damn, it gets lonely in space. That's how you go to hyperdrive. <laughs> and Chewie just disappointedly is like, Mrrr. you always wonder what he meant when he said punch it, Chewie. <laughs> it's the special release on the f the flashlight. It's um, the th the one of the cool things I'd like to see, and I don't know if we'll see it in this movie or you know another one, but Kessel Run. Yeah, like, especially since it was mentioned. In the Force Awakens, you know it, it. The Kessel Run has come up more than once now. Yeah, that's true. I, I wonder. So, you know, my basic understanding of the Kessel Run is it's just a, like it's just a the fastest shortcut to Kessel. You know, 
Yeah, from somewhere to Kessel. Right. So would that really be all that interesting to see in a movie? Just if him he's jumping doing around. It, if he's racing another ship. Yeah, it would I be can to see me. that. You know, if it's a space race. That's awesome. First one to Kessel and back, you know, gets the gets the contract. I don't know. Gets the Wookiee. Like, see, that's what I don't want him to do is is tie too much of this stuff in together. Like, like, does he find the Falcon and the Falcon is transporting Wookiee slaves? Like, stuff like that. Too many tie-in togethers would dilute it too much. And like, right. It, it would make it too knit. Like, it knit too tight together. The fabric has to breathe. <clears throat> right. Right. Hmm. That, that the whole timeline of it being from eighteen to twenty four is bananas crazy to me. Yeah. Um, I, I just bet didn't you don't spend that. very long in the middle years. Right. I bet you spend you know a quarter at eighteen, and then the other three fourths of the movie at twenty four. Or do you think it's more like Rogue One, where we in the beginning of the movie we see him at 18 and then it flashes forward to 24 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, yeah. maybe or not he, even a quarter of the movie at 18. It, it may Tarantino it. You may start out at 24 and then spend the rest of the movie from 18 to 24, you know. Oh, I see what you're saying. That could be interested. Um, yeah. Crazy. Fucking crazy. Um, so, um, that's really it for the Han Solo news. Did you read or watch or hear anything about Rebels this past week? I have. I have read something about Rebels. It was a conflicting episode for me, man. Really conflicting. Really? Why? Because the, the moments that were good, I thought were really good. I guess we should spoiler warn this before yeah, we talk about it. Yeah, if you it. haven't seen Twin Sons, the latest rep- episode of Rebels, maybe skip this section. Um, by this point, you've probably had it spoiled because it's been everywhere, man. I've seen it everywhere. I mean, yeah, that's how I got it. I got <clears throat> it in my news feed. But yeah, so, you know, Darth Maul's done. Just like we expected. We expected this, Obi-Wan, you know, when Darth Maul had the visions of the twin sons and everybody's like, oh, maybe he's not talking about Obi-Wan. Maybe he's talking about Luke. No, he's talking about Obi-Wan. Steven Stanton, who uh, did the voice of, you know, old Ben Kenobi, man, he did great. Man, did he do great as Ben Kenobi. I'm, I guess, part of the minority that actually kind of liked this lightsaber fight and how short it was because it was... Fucking samurai master style shit. Right. From what I understand, it was eloquent eloquent and efficient. You know, and that's what you want from an old Obi-Wan Kenobi. You want him to just smash it like, you know, not, you, you don't need a bunch of flair. You want it to just end it, uh, you know, effectively and efficiently. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's pretty much what happened. He was very Master Swordsman-esque and stuff. Um, I just feel like they wasted too much time on the other parts of the episode. And it wasn't that I wanted a longer duel necessary. necessarily. I thought the stuff between Ezra and Obi-Wan was good. And then Obi- the talking between Obi-Wan and Maul was good. 
Yeah, so, so I could have used more of like, that. It brought it back around to where Maul basically said that you know there would be a vengeance for for both of them. I guess what the Sith had done to the both of them. Right. And Darth Maul was basically using Ezra's desire to do good to get him there or something. Right. <clears throat> right. Um, yeah, so Maul basically is like talking shit to Obi-Wan and he's like, look at you living in squalor. Like, I don't know if I should kill you or just leave you here to rot. And then like, you can tell he's sort of doing that Sith rapey mind read thing that they do sometimes. Yeah, and he's Kylo like, Ren's so good at. yeah. And he's like, wait a second. You're here. You have a purpose here. You're protecting something or someone. And soon as he says that, you can see it in Obi-Wan's face. Obi-Wan is like, nah, you got to die now. And he now whips you out, really have to die. <laughs> he whips out, um, the, his lightsaber and at first, you know that, I know you're not a fan of this, that two-finger thing that Obi-Wan in the prequels does. Yeah. He does that. Yeah. And then he moves into fucking classic Ben Kenobi lightsaber in front of him, two-hand. Like, it's just so Pulp Fiction-y. I don't know. Oh, I love that shit, man. It, to see old Ben do it and then go into like sort of the style that the old Ben you're familiar with is, does, I was like, oh, yeah, tying it together. And then, like, the world's shortest lightsaber duel happens. And what's fucked up, so Maul goes in. You know the move he uses to kill Qui-Gon, where he punches him with the hilt and then spins around and impales Qui-Gon? Yeah. That's what he goes to you do on Obi-Wan. But Obi-Wan, before he gets punched, cuts through the hilt. And presumably, it's a little weird and a little hard to tell, but presumably also cuts into, like, uh, Maul's chest. Or something. Right. Like after, as he's slicing through it. And, and that's the second time that Obi-Wan basically cuts his lightsaber in half, isn't it? Yeah, because he cut it in half in Phantom Menace as well. Um, And then um, the best part of the episode to me is like, after he kills him, Obi-Wan, like, holds him in his arms, like a compassionate dude, like, and and what I thought was really cool, someone posted a quote from George Lucas, and I don't know where this was from, or, um, you know, how old this is, but it's George Lucas talking about how, like, the Jedi should love everyone, they should love their enemies, and they should love the Sith, too, like, that's the pur purpose of a Jedi, right, right? <clears throat> and, and, like, he's holding... Darth Maul, and as Darth Maul di is dying, he says, is he the chosen one? And Obi-Wan says, he is. And then Darth Maul says, he will avenge us, and dies. I thought it was a really nice moment. Because, like, Obi-Wan realizes to an extent they've both been played. Darth Maul was played, and he was played. You mm -hmm. know? So, he, you know, I like to think that Obi-Wan realizes that you know, under different circumstances and a different upbringing, he could be on the other side of that campfire. Absolutely. <clears throat> um, so, and then it, it ends with, you know, Obi-Wan approaching the Han, the moisture farm, the Lars moisture farm on Dubak. And in the background, you hear 
Aunt Beru's saying, Luke, Luke. And then you see like the silhouette of Luke running from like, you know, the the garage area where the land speeders are back to the main house part. And it's yeah. playing that fucking twin sons music. Oh, and I know gets the way you, every time you're, I know the way I'm talking about it, it makes me kind of sound like I loved the episode, but I'm really only telling you the parts I really liked. The 18 to 19 minutes before all of this was, like I said, kind of a waste of time. Really? And so I'm torn. Like, there's some stuff I like so much and stuff that just didn't work for me. And I feel like. Is it just gratuitous Maul and Ezra on Tatooine? Yes, but not even together. It was gratuitous them lost in the desert of Tatooine. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, there was a lot of that. And then some just, you know, that sort of goofy rebels thing where Ezra's being fucking space Aladdin, as many people like to call him, which I can see. Um, And it's just like, didn't a bunch of sand people die? Yeah, there was this weird thing where Maul kills some sand people. And like, I've watched the episode twice now, and that part just still doesn't really make sense to me. It's just weird, man. It's (laughs) sort of until. The Obi-Wan stuff starts, it just seems so sort of, you know, like circling the drain and buying or killing time. It should have been a two-parter if they wanted to do all that other stuff. But it's like Rebels the only natural enemy Tusken Raiders have are emotionally damaged Jedi. Yeah, right, right. Emotionally damaged Force users. They, they hate a fucking lightsaber uh, in all the camps that... <laughs> All the Tuscan Raider camps. There are stories. There are. There are. There are. All right. So, um, you know what we got to do? We got to do some emails and some voicemails because, like I said, they're backed up. Let's and uh, you know how we start that shit. Of course, you know how we start that shit. Only we, one way. There's only one way. There can be only one. There can be only one. All right, guys. Here's your weekly dose of awesome. Kia G. Kia G. Kia G. Cockhead. The only Jedi master who can crash box. Kia G. Cockhead. Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead. He's a big Surian stud. He loves to split chicks with his bud. Kia G. Cockhead to stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Kitty, cockhead, what you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge, but he'll be pumping spooge tomorrow. Cockhead, Ruhurt, cockhead, Hansberger, cockhead, Will Win, cockhead, Goose Paint, cockhead, G Money, cockhead, King Tom, cockhead. Okay, so hearing King Tom shouted out in that reminded me. So there was a couple of questions we didn't cover last week, Will, because they were definitely geared towards you. Okay. And in King Tom's voicemail last week, he had a cooking with Will Witten question. Oh, no. I'm going to try and paraphrase it. He was cooking up some skirt steak, right? 
but right. he just couldn't get like th- he wanted to know if you had any tips on how to sort of dry a steak off before you cook it um and the only answer that jason and i could come up with was lick it and i don't think that's the <laughs> i don't think that's the appropriate uh, answer to that he said it was a little moist i guess out of the package and he was wondering if there's any way to sort of dry that off before you season it and stuff and get it ready to cook um i, I would take a an amount of paper towel and just kind of you know dab dab the steak from i guess those juices you know those red those pink the basically the blood that has um come out of the steak while it's in the package i you know just a, a couple paper towels just flip it over a couple times on that paper it should sop up any of that excess juice well there you go king tom paper towel and um yeah, I, we may have discussed this at some point, but the process of um, uh, salting something, you know, uh, when you salt something, if you give the time, if you give the salt time to sink in, moisture comes out. So salt makes meat bleed water, basically, and so and um, anytime you lose water in a meat or anything, you know, really, you're concentrating flavor. And, uh, so if you salt meat, it may, if you salt a meat, like if you season it and then let it sit for a while, you may find that you have some juice that's come out of the meat that you didn't, you didn't remember being there, but that's why that's what happened was moisture's, um, coming out of the meat, but it, it, it shouldn't affect the way it's cooked anyway. And you, and you wouldn't want to dab that either cause you'd be pulling seasoning off. But, uh, but if you're talking about before you season it, yeah, that's all I'd really do. I had a pretty decent steak uh, Tuesday on my birthday. Yeah, how was it? It was pretty good, man. It was how'd like you, a. How'd you have it cooked? Uh, medium rare. Mm, perfect. My medium man, perfect. rare is my go-to. It was like a sixteen-ounce. Oh. Uh, shit, I can't remember what cut it was. Was cut. it a ribeye? Yeah, sixteen-ounce ribeye. Oh, well, man, after my own heart. Man, it was good. It was pretty good. You know, now, I will say this: it could have been seasoned a little better. I actually like sort of, a, I guess, a heavenly, a heavily seasoned steak, at least on the outside. Yeah. You know, it's, so you get like that crust on the edges and stuff. This was, seemed like maybe a tiny bit of salt and a little bit of pepper was pretty much the only seasoning they do. I'm more That's of like a thing. coarse salt and, yeah. you know, bots of it the, and pepper. And There's a lot of ways to cook a steak, but if you're not going to marinate a steak, a heavy salt and pepper crust when you're searing is unbeatable unbeatable and then a nice little slab of butter right on the end when the steak's well, you know done just pop that thing on there and it'll melt right over the steak mm. you know what i like to do i like to if we're not grilling steaks i like to pan sear the the steaks with some garlic butter or like Ooh. you just put a big chunk of butter in there and some crushed garlic cloves right in there you yep. sear it on both sides and you baste it and then you pop the pan in the oven to let it finish up to whatever degree you're done and just let it sort of bake in the oven in that all garlic butter and herbs and stuff. Man, that's good. Right. Have you ever roasted whole garlic like um like a whole not even like still in the husk? Like cut the top of the garlic husk and leave the cloves in the husk and then roast that whole thing. And then that roasted garlic that comes out of there is incredible. 
Oh, really? No, I've never yeah. done. Now, when when I'm talking about like the way I do that with the garlic, they're pretty much still in the husk. I just take and uh, cut the top off, and I take a knife and just sl- smash them, and just toss right. that in the pan. Just boom, right in the pan. I I got this thing from Goodfellas, but. You know, it, it, there's this part where Ray Liotta talks about the dude slicing the garlic with a razor so thin that it melts in the pan. I don't know why I like to do it, but when I'm when I'm going to like uh, sear something with olive oil, mm-hmm. I like to slice my garlic cloves as thin as I can, like paper thin with my knife, and then put them in that olive oil so that they, the olive oil gets some of that roasted garlic flavor before I sear whatever I am, like asparagus or green beans or something like that. Kick ass. That sounds real good. Um, so let's continue on with this um, um, Cooking with Will segment. We got another Cooking with Will question. This comes from our Uh-oh. buddy Richie. Hawes and Will, continuing my break from silly voicemail this week, I wanted to ask you guys about the food at Star Wars Land and Disney World. Our last trip to Disney came in 2015, shortly before the opening of The Force Awakens. And though we typically go every two years or so, we decided to save our next family trip until all the construction was finished, and more importantly, Star Wars Land was open. I've been racking my brain to come up with some menu items for Star Wars Land, and I have a few ideas. Chef Yoda's Dagobus, Dago Beef Stew. Here I thought you could take that hot mess that Yoda had cooking in the pot on Dagobah and turn it into something. Blue Milk slash Blue Russians. Anakin's Mixed Fruit. Don't use the Force to eat this with, otherwise Master Obi-Wan would be very grumpy. Mm-hmm. Luke's Dinner. Hey, that's my dinner. A complete dinner on the kid's meal for Little Jedi on his hero's journey. You could model it after Luke's box dinner on Dagobah. Shit, I would eat that. Mm-hmm. Ray's instant, but you just put a Slim Jim in there. I swear that's a giant Slim Jim that he takes out that Yoda starts eating on. There used to be a candy bar that I don't remember the name of, but it was almost butterfingery, and it was orange and cylindrical like that. Um, it was like butterfingery without the chocolate on the outside. And I forget what it's called, but that's what it looks like to me. Apart from a few gimmicky items, I don't think there's much there. So I turn my attention to Chef Will. How would you do... All right, I'm going to... Richie, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to spice up your email. It's spicy, but I want to add just a little bit of Frank's Red Hot onto this. Because it says, how would you develop a menu for the various restaurants or cantinas within Star Wars Land at Disney World? Well, let's say Bob Iger calls you up and he says... I heard you on Blue Harvest. I understand you're a chef. We need someone to head up one of our restaurants in Star Wars land. What's the And he's like, you get first pick. What's your theme? What's some of the basic menu items that you offer? You're on the spot. This is cooking with Will. Do do what you do. Be a Jedi. Answer oh this goodness. shit. Um. I think, well, I'll just say right off the bat, it would depend on if it was just a Star Wars-themed restaurant in general or if it were different cantinas like were referenced earlier because, you know, the Moss Eisley Cantina would have an incredible menu of, you know, uh, cured meats and cheeses from across the galaxy. You know, how they there'd be stories behind how it was put together and where it came from. There'd be exotic uh, vegetables and uh, cocktails. Definitely with uh, liquid nitrogen, so it, it has that smoky that right. uh, that sort of smoky dry ice 
you know, uh, uh, mist coming off of it and stuff. Um, but if we're talking like a sit down courses meal thing, I'd try to do something really innovative again with liquid nitrogen so that like I could freeze creams and ice creams like in little pebbles or, uh, and do something interesting with that, uh, plating. I might actually have p- plates that have battery powered light in them so that I could do maybe a crystalline sugar something or a frozen ice something, and then you the plate from the bottom could have light projected through it so that you could get that lightsaber feel through oh, right certain on. elements of the dish. I think that would be really neat. So you but, were talking uh, about uh, like sort of smoking drinks. I watched, you know, when I got way into making my own own fashions, I was watching some YouTube videos on it, and there was this real hipster bar somewhere that they made uh, an old-fashioned that instead of, like, you know how, like, sometimes when you go into a bar, they'll put, like, cherries and oranges in an old-fashioned. I leave that stuff out when I make one at home. I don't mind it when I go out somewhere. It's, like, a nice little touch sometimes. Right. This guy put um, nitrogen-frozen cherries and oranges in it. Oh wow! And when he dropped them in, it Mike made the the drink sort of bubble and and steam or smoke or whatever that shit is. Right. It looked cool, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Who knows how it tasted? Yeah. But yeah, that that's exactly the feel that I would try to go for, and I wouldn't try to go over the top, you know. But I'd, I'd have bantha steaks, you know. Um, the definitely Yoda's beef stew. There'd be yeah. lots of root vegetables and Dagobah spices and herbs. Um, you know, uh, Mon Calamari, you know, seafood, you know, the different seafood, like a sushi, sashimi, Mon Calamari platter or something like that. That's what I would like to see. So like, I, from what I understand, Star Wars land is supposed to be all about immersion. So like once you go through the gates at Star Wars land, you're in Star Wars. Right. I'd like to see a Mon Cal restaurant that's like their seafood restaurant although that'd be kind of fucked up if it was a mon cal restaurant and they were feeding well you i mean squid if you're from mon cal and you're gonna eat are you you know you're oh, either a vegetarian true. or you're eating from the sea true. planet that's what i'd like to see and you could have your dumplings on the menu man those dumplings yep. are good uh oh yeah that's i'm liking this it could be like the Even hibachi nubian. place nubian you know, yeah nubian in in dishes so, uh, do you want to get introduced to a new character in the Blue Harvest Star Wars universe? Yeah. As you know, we've we've heard from Kia D. Mundy. And uh, we have... We've, we've heard from Kit Fisto, and boy, Kit is he Fisto. something to hear from. And our angry British... Soars Bandeem. Soars Bandeem. Well, you remember, uh, not last week, but the week before the last time you were on the show, we were joking about what how funny it would have been if... Instead of Tamora Morrison being the, um, you know, the blueprint for the clones if it was a redneck guy. Yeah. Well, apparently, that character exists, and we're about to hear from him. His name is oh. J.D. Fett. Oh, no. So, uh, let's, let's hear from old J.D. and hear what he has to say. I saved this one for you, buddy. I appreciate that. Hey, Hawes and Wilt. What's going on, boys? I heard y'all talking about um, 
What's his name? Django Fett? What if he was a redneck boy? Well, I wanted to tell you that almost happened. See, my given name is Jefferson Davis Fett. My friends call me <laughs> JD. And not too long ago, we had a man come through our town who claimed to be my cousin. He said, my name's Django Fett, and I'm here to join the Confederacy of Independent Systems. And I was like, who the fuck is this asshole? So, starts with a little bitty story here. So, right before that all went down, I was hanging out, and I decided to go hunt. See, I go, I work 15 hours a week at the local Harris Tater, and I work at the deli counter. And, see, I can't work too much more than that, otherwise... Uh, the checks, they stopped coming in the mail. So I was working, and I get off work, and I decide to go hunting. So I grab Papo's .30-06, and I grab my daddy's old squirrel rifle. And I go out, and I go down. There's a little spot over by the Brimmer Farm on the other side of the holler near the other creek, and I decide to go shooting. And I'm like, I found this deer out there. He was a 12-point buck. And I couldn't get the shot. And I remember, Hoss, I remember you talking about that fancy redneck boy shooting you in the ass or something. And I said, (laughs) shit, I know if you shoot a deer in the ass, you'll hit something. And, you you know, truth be told, it's messy. But, shit, he was was an 18-point buck. And I'm like, I'll take the shot. So I took the shot, shot him right in the ass. And Game he six ran points. off. Well, old Becky Brimmer saw it, and she was like, J.D. Fett, you stupid redneck, you better catch that fucking deer off my farm, or otherwise I'm going to tell my daddy you're fixing to get it. Well, truth be told, yeah, I, he was a 35-point buck, but <laughs> I knew that Becky Brimmer's daddy was in jail, and nothing was going to happen. You see, the Brimmer farm wasn't doing so well, and... Even though Papa Brimmer used to make the best moonshine in the county, old Daddy Brimmer decided he was going to sell marijuana plants, so he started growing a little bit at a time in with his crop. And sure than shit, old Daddy Brimmer got greedy, and the ATF come down. They were like, holy shit, they flew helicopters over his fucking farm, and, and they locked him up. So I wasn't worried about no Daddy Brimmer. Anyways, I couldn't find that fucking deer, so I decided... Well, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get my squirrel rifle. I caught some squirrels. I got some dinner. I was too, way too excited. I went back over to the Harris Teeter. I got some Big Red. I got a little, some Newports and I got some PVR. I took those fucking squirrels back to Mamo. Mamo, shut up! This is my story. <laughs> I'm telling the story, Mamo. Sorry about that. So anyway, I took the fucking I, I took everything back to Mamo's double wide trailer and i was fixing to have some biscuits and squirrel gravy Mm-mm-mm. when wouldn't you know mamma said to me jd fett you stupid redneck your cousin django fett from new zealand is coming by and i'm like new zealand what's that like is that up in one of them old yankee states or some shit she was like no you stupid motherfucker it's on the other side of the planet and i'm like ooh shit that boy coming all the way from like China or some shit. So cousin Django comes over. He's like, 
what's up, J.D. Fett? And I'm like, hey, what's up, Cousin Django? What you doing? He's like, I'm fixing to join the Confederacy of Independent Systems. And I said, well, would you know, what's that fancy blaster you got on your hip over there? And he showed me this blaster, and he shot it, and I swear, that thing made such a fucking racket. I was like, cousin, what you doing with that? You can have my old 9mm or some shit. Seriously, you can carry around a hog leg if you want, but I'd rather carry a pork chop with a kick. So, Cousin Django, and you know something? I tried everything. I wanted that blaster. I got, I asked Cousin Django if he would trade me I, I, for that blaster. I had a 40 caliber Sig Sauer. I had an old Dobro my Uncle Jack used to play. And I had <laughs> a big bro. fucking buck knife from a Papal. It had a nice bone handle on it. That motherfucker still wouldn't trade that with me. Then he gets in his, this big fucking ship. It's like a... He he called it the Slave One. I was like, motherfucker, the Slave One, that thing's slower than shit. Shoot, man, I got an 83 Olds Cutlass over here. I took 307 out of it, put a 350 rocket in that motherfucker. That thing will light up tires. That's a lot faster than your Slave One. He took off and shit. Never heard from that motherfucker. Wouldn't you know, two months later, I see him on the fucking TV and shit. I'm like, fuck, man. Cousin Django Fett, he was gonna be, he said he was gonna join the, that fucking, that Count Dooku, and wouldn't you know, he didn't take me along for the ride. I was like, fuck you, Cousin Django. So anyways, that's the story of J.D. Fett. I'm signing off now, and fuck Django Fett, that motherfucker. I hope I can get some royalty checks from him or something. That's bad blood. That's bad country blood. You don't want to mess with that. I'll be honest. I've heard that exact conversation. Take out all the Star Wars references, and I've heard that exact conversation sitting around with, you know, <clears throat> the occasional That's redneck that I know in my Thanksgiving life. Thanksgiving conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or like, you know, maybe you go out of town with your future brother-in-law and hang out with all his buddies and flip an ATV over on yourself. Maybe that's the kind of conversations you hear then. <coughs> J.D. Fett. I, my favorite, there's two parts. I'm going to break it down. The two parts I like best is how the size of the buck's antlers change. Every time he brings it up, it goes from 12 to 18 at, to 35. At first I thought he messed up, but then I was like, oh, no, that was. That, oh, no, no, it's layered. And second is how he tried to trade an old Dobro that his granddaddy played. <laughs> I don't know why, but I like the biscuits and squirrel gravy. I'd be bummed to eat a squirrel, man. I think squirrels are too awesome. Really? I could eat a squirrel. <laughs> I'm, I know I'm in the minority, especially where we grew up and stuff. You know, I knew all kinds of people that went squirrel hunting and stuff, but I'm like, I'd rather be friends with them. See, the only thing that really bugs me about wild game is like, you never know if you're eating something that's had parasites in it. You know, like, for the most part, you know, the meat you buy at the store is free of parasites or you know the, the the awful shit that they pick up out in the woods but you know wild game could be infected with anything yeah i guess you're right about that i don't really know i mean but that's why we heat stuff up to certain temperatures like you know to kill <coughs> bacteria or parasites but still the thought of it you know irks your brain uh-oh our next emailer is from starkful Fucking Starkville, Mississippi, boar. Holy shit. So this is from Connor. Connor from Starkville. 
what's up, buddy? You go into the hunt club? Is the hunt club still open? God, I, it has to be. Man. I hope not, but it has to be. Man, so many they bad decisions. So many bad decisions made at the hunt club. The hunt club is where I turned 21. I turned 21 at the hunt club. Oh, boy. Doesn't that make you feel good, just getting that out there? Also did karaoke with you at the hunt club one time. We did Tenacious D karaoke. We did. I had a, a very important life-altering conversation with you in the bathroom. In the bathroom. At the Hunt Club. Good times. Anyway, here's from Connor. Hey, Halls and Will. First time writing in, and I've been listening to you guys for about a month now, and y'all keep me entertained on all my long trips around Mississippi. Anyways, just wanted to see what your favorite Star Wars novels are from the new canon. Mine's Lost Stars because it's uh, awesome. And that's as descriptive as I, as I can be on something. Never really been my strong suit. Keep doing what you're doing, guys. And hail state. That's fucking right, hail state. I wish I had my cowbell here next to me. I'd ring it for you. I'd ring it for old Connor. Connor, you keep ringing. You keep writing in, and I'll find my cowbell. It's my daddy cowbell. And we'll we'll share more embarrassing uh, Mississippi State stories. We will. We we will. I'll, I'll have to think of some. I, I got one that's real. <laughs> this one I think about every now and then. Just because I wasn't trying to be funny, but I made Will almost shit himself laughing when this happened. I'll tell you that real quick. Will and I took a trip out of Starkville one night uh, to go see Pan's Labyrinth. We had to drive like an hour and a half out of town because it wasn't playing in Starkville. And when we got home, we may have indulged and become a wee bit inebriated. And we got real hungry. And Will was like, let's go make ramen noodles. And my man Will didn't make one package of ramen noodles. He made three packages of ramen noodles for me and him to split. So that's a package and a half a piece. And Will decided to get his chef on and kick it up a notch. So he put some Velveeta cheese in there. He turned it into cheesy ramen noodles it was basically cheesy like, chipotle i put the chipotle yep, tabasco in there i know and so i just proceeded to eat a package and a half of ramen like i could have been in an eating competition i ate this so quickly like i don't even think i tasted it and i was like oh i'm so full and then i drank a whole bunch of water because i was real thirsty right soon as and like it didn't stay down two seconds and Will said something that made me start laughing. And I just kept laughing and kept laughing. God, I remember that. Couldn't stop laughing. And then, just in the middle of laughing, I start throwing up. And it's not like a little, Bleh! it's like projectile, cheesy ramen noodles. Thankfully, all going into a trash can. And you would think, oh, let me just hold my head over the trash can. No, Hall's like basically put his head in, in the, the trash can. And I'm laughing. And so I'm laughing uncontrollably like, oh. And this is at like 3.30 in the morning. We have roommates and shit. They got jobs to do the next day. I've got my head inside, all the way inside a trash can, throwing up probably a pound and a half of cheesy, chipotle, chipotle cheesy ramen noodles. Not my finest hour or my best look, I'm going to be honest. But then we took the chocolate syrup to the head afterward. <laughs> I just remember we were sitting on, Will had a couch in his room, and he had this giant old school projection TV. You're damn right. And we would put music on, 
and I don't know if you guys remember this on the Xbox 360, you could watch the music visualizer where it would just do these weird color patterns and geometric shapes and stuff in sync to the music. So we're watching that and listening to music and passing back and forth a Hershey's chocolate syrup. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about. You make chocolate yeah. milk with and just turning it up and oh, squeezing chocolate syrup in our mouth, not saying a word, just right silent, right? silent in our shame. And then Will just looks over at me and he's got chocolate syrup like all in his beard and stuff. And he goes, I know this is fucked up but I just don't care right now. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. I know this is fucked up. Um, True story, bro. So, <clears throat> yeah, Connor, if you're ever out on Highway 12, out past the Walmart, okay? The first house past Walmart. There's going to be, like, so if you're going away, you know, uh, out down Highway 12 where Walmart will be on your right, you go under the bridge, and th this is the last time I was in Starkville. Maybe things have changed. There's going to be like a gas station on your right. There's going to be an old folks on home on your right, and then there's a house. And it's got like a long gravel driveway. That's the house that all these shenanigans went in. We had a pool and shit. It was, it was crazy. <clears throat> the house on Highway 12. Um, what was his question? Oh, canon books. Uh, my favorite canon books thus far have been Bloodline. Bloodline's probably my absolute favorite. That's the Leia novel. I liked Lost Stars quite a bit. Um, I also liked Lords of, the, Lords of the Sith. Those are the three that I've liked best so far. I haven't read them all. I've read a lot of them or listened to them, a lot of them in audiobook form. I'm listening to Dark Disciple right now in audiobook form. I was trying to listen to the newest Aftermath book, and I just needed to take a break. Man, I'm not really enjoying it. So, But I'm liking Dark Disciple quite a lot so far, so I'd recommend that one too. <laughs> Will, what about you, I New Canon? I, I don't get a chance to read the New Canon books, but I'd probably like the one that describes... You know, I, I pretty much rely on you and our fan base... You know, and I stay fairly well updated, but the one that um, describes <coughs> what Luke what Luke and Kylo Ren were up to before everything went south. Well, that one hasn't come out yet. Oh, I thought that was Aftermath. No, after that's what I think that's what a lot of people thought Aftermath was going to be, but it's not. Oh, okay. Um, the Luke and Kylo stuff hasn't been announced for a book or told in a book. You get little hints of it in Bloodline and some other stuff. You get a little bit of a hint about what um, Luke's up to after Return of the Jedi in Aftermath. And you also see Ben, like Ben is born, or Kylo is born during the third Aftermath book. Okay. They, they take place, you know, fairly close to Return of the Jedi. Right. All right, so next up we got our uh, buddy Joe. Will and Halls, I hope you are both doing well. I've been trying to formulate a question for a while, and I should have just sent it to you now. And I should just send it to you now, and hopefully my point gets across. How do you guys think fans will respond if it turns out that Luke Skywalker failed to improve his power with the Force following Return of the Jedi? Fans far and wide, including myself, assume that with an additional 30 years of training, that he will continue an upward tra trajectory... Mind you using one of them fancy words. 
trajectory and power and knowledge of the Force? What if he peaked and got no better than he was? I wonder if Disney would find this a compelling storyline and or would whether they think Luke's lack of progression over 30 years would make fans feel betrayed in some way. Just the throwing, throwing out potential plots that I haven't heard discussed before. Keep up the great work, Joe. How would you feel, Will, if Luke is That's isn't? exactly I'd feel j- gypped. Yeah. You know, because you want to know what Luke's up to after all that time. And if he doesn't get any more powerful or more wise, then what was the point? You know, like he clearly let down Obi-Wan and Yoda, who in their solitude became more wise and more powerful and more one with the Force. You I know, don't I know forgot- that I'm, I'm wanting him to be like superhero level powered. I, I'm looking for like a more wise. And I don't need, you know, super lightsaber the- ability no, either. But yeah. what I want is wisdom and attunement with the Force. Same here. Same you, here for sure. A couple episodes back, I lost my train of thought, but... Did you just I, find I, it again? I just found it, okay. if, you, wow. if you would believe that or not. Because um, what we were just talking about, it brought me back to it. But can you imagine how mind-blowing it would be in your meditation and reflection on the Force to realize that you could discard your physical body whenever you're ready to become one with the Force? Making that realization and then realizing that you just got to keep that in your back pocket. And whenever you're ready to go, boom, you just become one with the force and discard your physical form. You know, that's got to be mind blowing. Right. You know, just just to, I don't know, progress to that realization that you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is that's true. Um and Jason also had some tasty little tidbits uh, on our show last week about, you know, I don't know if you saw this in the news, but Frank Oz was being a little cagey in his response to whether he was involved in The Last Jedi. He basically said, I can't talk about it. And, you know, I think a lot of people are jumping to the conclusion, rightfully so, I believe, that why not just say, if you're not in it, just say, no, I'm not in it. If you say, I can't talk about it, then that means you're probably involved somehow. Yeah. And there's some other stuff to points to it too. So, you know, the possibility of, of seeing Yoda again and, and seeing Luke communicate with Yoda or something like that is very interesting to me. Very, very interesting to me. Yep. <clears throat> all right. So uh, the rest of our emails are not emails at all. They're voicemails. So I'm going to get to playing those for you guys. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right. First up, we've got a voicemail from our buddy Dallas. And I'm going to play that for you guys. So here we go. Hello, Haas and Will. It's your buddy Dallas. I just wanted to call in and thank you guys for all the help that you guys have given us, the suggestions and things for our show, The Bad Motivators, and uh, letting the far- moisture farmers know about the show. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. I've, I've called in to be like ex-Power Rangers Ricardo Medina Jr., 
who admitted to killing his roommate with a fucking sword. With a sword? I saw that. I admit to being... Mm, I mean knowing Kid Fisto, personally. Good friend of mine. He can be a little outrageous. Um, way into hentai, by the way. I mean, that's his jam. Uh, I think his laptop needs to be sunk at the bottom of the Charles River up in Richie from Boston's neck of the woods because there's so much hentai porn on it. That guy. Man, the viruses my computer has gotten because of this guy. Anyway, you let him uh, use your computer? I'm going to talk a little Star Wars. You guys had talked about Rebels and, you know, I have a love-hate relationship with Rebels, as many of you will, will find out on my show. And I'm thinking, what can they do that would be cool besides, like, making a show for adults? And I agree, and it can't be more than PG-13. And I think what would be cool is if they did a Bounty Hunter-style show. You know, maybe like a Walker, Texas Ranger kind of vibe. You know, Wild West go on bounties and shit and we get to see crazy stuff runs run-ins with the empire or maybe even cooler have it be post jedi and run-ins with the with the new republic and you get to kind of see how the new republic handles things and maybe they could do some tie-ins uh to the new canon books and comics that lead up to the force awakens just some cool ideas I had about that. I mean, I definitely would prefer it not be on Disney XD and be on Netflix or something like that. Maybe they could do Amazon Prime. There's some shows that have started releasing once a week, so you can't binge them. But at the same time, you get a season, get a week to digest all the cool things you see or all the things you hate. So I think that might be a cool idea. And, you know, I just love the show, guys. Really appreciate it. And, uh, man, can't wait to uh, meet you guys at Celebration. Um, Luke Cruiser, especially, said he wanted to meet you guys at Celebration. You know, um, And that's assuming we can get old Eric Strothers out of bed on time. You know, he, he eats dinner at 4 o'clock. So, anyway, uh, peace and love. May the Force be with you. Thanks. Man, he took a... <laughs> They're only on episode five, the bad motivators, and he's already taken pod shots at his co-hosts. That's I, how you know it's gonna be good. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, what do you think about that idea, a bounty hunter show? You know what? You know my thoughts on the yeah, bounty hunters. I'm so down. Like yeah. you know my thoughts. That'd be great. Yeah, bounty man. Bounty hunter show. I'm hoping. What I think would be cool is if you had one of those collaborative efforts. You know, um, like. The Animatrix or, you know, those anime collaborations. The Halo where, one that they did. Yeah, the Marvel, yeah. They, you know, uh, where each studio or director has its own short film. It'd be awesome if there was a, a Bounty Hunter collaboration like that, where each studio or director got their own Bounty Hunter to tell. Oh, and got to do like a little 15, 20 minute short with it. Man, yeah. I'd watch the fuck out of that. And we could call it the Bounty Hunter Collection. <laughs> we could call it the Bounty Hunter Collection. That's, I mean, that's a solid idea. I'd, I'd pre-order that Blu-ray on Amazon, Amazon Prime, two-day delivery, 
free two day. I'm, you know, I know. I I didn't realize. Someone brought this up to me. How much I talk about Amazon Prime. I sound like I work for goddamn Amazon. Apparently, yeah, like uh, I talk f- about uh, what is it? Sponsors. A- Amazon Prime should sponsor you. Yeah. Just yeah. send our episode into them, and they'll be like, they'll send you a check back. Do it. Just get, or you know what? Just give me and Will free Amazon Prime for lifetime. For life. For life. When when do y'all start using drones? If they don't already. Uh, I think that's in the planning stage. I don't know that. Look, I'm just going to be completely honest with you, buddy. I don't know that Tupelo, Mississippi, is going to be a market that gets the drones super soon. I don't think Birmingham is going to get them soon. I like I see that being in like you know New York and and places like that. Well, before it's ever here, I I'm sure. I mean, but I figure it'd be you know you your drones would be close to your distribution hubs, right? And wherever you know, it may not even be really big cities, you know, because they have a lot of I would assume air traffic over them. Yeah, I don't you know. know you you might go to a place that had less air traffic for safer delivery. It would be really cool to order something on Amazon and then like two hours later a little helicopter de- delivers it to my doorstep. Yeah, how and awesome the, is that? The dogs all start freaking out and Walter's all scared and hiding under a table and I'm like, chill out. It's just my SH figure arts line uh, figure, guys. I got that fucking Django in the mail. Just calm down. Or Or like, you know, what I'm looking for is I'm looking for like my favorite Philly cheesesteak place here in Birmingham to start delivering Ooh. by drones. Oh my Just God. Fucking, There's a million mm. dollar idea. Mm, I love a goddamn Philly cheesesteak guys. God Just call damn. it drones. Drones cheesesteak. Drone cheesesteaks. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, man. Dun, 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 like dun. Jimmy John's cheesesteak. You want chips? You want a pickle? How you want the pickle cut? All right. Your drone will be there in like 10 minutes. <laughs> All right, so next up, we got a, a voicemail from Kit Fisto. I guess he couldn't. Nope. Whoa, whoa. Holy shit, there's some echo on that. Here we go. That dirty, dirty Fisto. <laughs> yeah. Dirty-ass Kit Fisto coming at you. This is the force ghost of Kit Fisto. Yes, you have been getting voicemails from an imposter. A plastic dog, cigar-smoking piece of shit. <laughs> I do not have any grudges with any former Jedi, especially the magnificent cock-headed Kiedi. Even though he only has one cock, he is still a good friend. I am sending this voicemail from the Living Force to let you know that I need your help. Slaying the imposter Kid Fisto. Much love to the hosts, Haas Burkhart and Will Witten. I also would like to know what a fantastic queso dip would be. We, <laughs> we can eat here in the Living Force universe. And it would be really awesome to have some Cool Ranch Doritos and a good queso dip. Anyway, may the force be with you, moisture farmers. And remember, Kid Fisto is always your friend. God damn, did Dallas hook up with Ben Burt and get that shit made? That was impressive. All right. That was. That was good. So, uh, queso, <laughs> Kit Fisto really needs a, a nice queso dip. 
um, recipe for to enjoy with all his Force Ghost buddies. Hit us with it, Will. Queso dip. By the way, I want to back up Kit Fisto's claim on Cool Ranch Doritos and queso dip. That is a great combination. I just would like to add that I have had that combination. I fully endorse that combination. You know, it it, it brings to my lightning has just struck my brain. Um, Since you're going to use the Cool Ranch Doritos to eat the queso, uh, I will build the queso around the Cool Ranch Doritos. Um, uh, For queso, you always need a double boiler setup if you're going to do it on the stove. So like a pot with water and then you set a second pot inside there. Usually if they fit as closely as possible, you know, nesting, uh, it's very easy. But the boiling water will keep your cheese from burning. Uh, you can also do it in a slow cooker. You know, that's a crock pot. You know, that's one way to do it. But I, I always like the double boiler setup. But so your milk, like, mm, just depends on how much queso you have. But like half milk, half heavy cream, the white Velveeta cheese, a can of Rotel, some freshly chopped jalapenos and some chorizo. Cook some chorizo down and get the fat off of it and then put the chorizo in the queso with the chopped jalapenos in the rotel. I think that would be stellar with some Cool Ranch Doritos to be eaten with. Holy shit, I'm going to the grocery store as soon as we get done recording. <laughs> uh, that sounds a fucking great and I am not fucking around. Holy shit, because you just, you took some of my favorite foods, like, it's like I gave you a challenge that was like, like one of those Iron Chef challenges, and I came out and they were like, this week, it's the Halls challenge, we, you were presented with some of Halls' favorite foods, and you have, and they pull the, the towel or the tablecloth off, and it's a bowl of Cool Ranch Doritos, like a log of chorizo, and, and they're like, do what you got to do. You, you've got five minutes in the pantry. Mm. 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 Amazing. All right. <clears throat> so next up, we got uh, Soar's Bandeem. You, we were just talking about him. It's like we summoned him. It's just like I imagine him wearing fingerless gloves. Soar's <laughs> Bandeem, and I'm back. I've been away the last couple of weeks taking care of business. And Facial scar. KD Monday knows Bowler nothing hat. about. This guy has got seven wives and he hasn't even managed to knock one of them up. What a muck. <laughs> Shots fired. Ooh, that laugh. I've got another good one for you. How does KD? Lock his eggs in the morning. Well, I'll tell you, he locks them unfertilized. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. I don't think Kitty Monday knows the difference between a dick and a fucking dickhead. And that, my friends, is his biggest problem. Oh, and another thing. I had forgotten about you, Fisto. I remember what you were like back at the Jedi Temple. And I bet you don't want me to tell all the boys and girls at home what you used to get up to. If it weren't nailed down, old Kit Fisto would be dry humping the living fuck out of it. You should have seen what he did to the fern. 
but it was never the same. After you were done with it, we had to burn that thing. We couldn't leave it lying around anymore for the other younglings to see. It was the stuff of nightmares. You know what you are, Fisto. You're a dandrophiliac. And if you don't know what that is, boys and girls, it's someone that likes to have sex with trees. Now, that ain't normal, is it, Fisto? I'll leave you boys to it, because I think I've had enough fun for one week. Bye-bye, you bunch of mugs. Holy shit. See? See, Kip Fisto like- tried to come in this week and just be like, Oh, I'm just a force ghost. I just need a queso recipe. And Sword Bandim is like, Ha, 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 you fuck trees, Fisto. <laughs> He's one sour, sour yank. I think we're the yanks, bud. Oh, we're the yanks. I got that backwards. Yeah, yeah. He's a sour, limey fuck. <laughs> He's a... He, uh, look... Of all the, the characters that call in, he's the one I wouldn't want to meet in a dark alley. And I'm like, you like my podcast? Feel dirty. He seems like um, he would be part of that street gang in Clockwork Orange. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. <coughs> Just a wee fucking baby. That's from Tenacious D. That's not even from. <laughs> all right. So, last up on the a voicemail docket. And uh, to end out the show... Let's roll out the red and gold carpet. Get some ladies to fan Fernly. By the way, Kit Fisto fucked a fern. I didn't mean to fucking just pass right over that, but he fucked a fern. The only thing that keeps going through my head is how. That's a that's a jizz free ficus, Kit Fisto. (laughs) (laughs) It really tied the room together. Hey, Hawes and Will. King Tom here. On last week's Rogue One, Hawes mentioned that his favorite space battle was the Battle of Endor, and this is something I agree with, and I've seen, read, heard a number of other people agreeing with it, too. And I think it only makes sense because it, it has a number of things going for it. It's the final battle between the Rebels and the Empire. Um, it has awesome special effects that, that I think still hold up all these years later. But I think the one, the one thing that it has going for it is that from start to finish, the Millennium Falcon is a key player. Um, you know, Lan- yeah, Lando and Nia Numb are flying it, but people see the Falcon and think, that's the Falcon. Um, it's almost like the island from Lost where the Millennium Falcon has become a character of its own. And there are a few other ships um, in Star Wars. From the movies, you've got the Executor, the Slave One, and from Rebels, you have the Ghost. But and the Ghost may be a little bit more pronounced, but I'm not really counting it because it's not really part of the movie saga, except for Rogue One if you're paying attention. But the Millennium Falcon is a character that we all know and, and most of us love, and that, that kind of brings me to my question. Do you think they would ever do this with another ship, um, introduce another ship that's unique, has a visual style and appeal, and that they let become a character at some point in the saga or maybe one of the standalone movies? I mean, you could pretty much say the Millennium Falcon is going to be getting a standalone um, next year. But is there room for another ship that we fans see this way, whether it's something you know that the heroes use or the villains use? Um, 
Do you think we'll get attached to another individual ship that way? I know it's a weird, random question, but some, something that's just been uh, flying through my head since uh, you mentioned that about the Battle of Endor last week. Anyway, thanks for listening, and I will uh, see you guys later. King Tom, good voicemail. That is a good voicemail. Um, not, not a random question, not a bad one. One that I just haven't thought about, but now that you ask, I feel like we have to. You know, I feel like the Millennium Falcon is going to meet a a heroic end. I don't know when, but I, I feel like it's it's going to sacrifice itself for a cause at some point, and you'll have to bring a new ship about for us to bond with. Um, and Kylo Ren already has his. You know, it's that. And you know, yeah, I see, forget what it's called. That it's sort of dropship shuttle. It's kind of the yeah. new shuttle or Lambda class shuttle. Sorry. Uh, See, this is the thing. I'll tell you why I don't see them getting rid of the Falcon anytime soon. It's the same reason I don't see them getting rid of, say, Art2 or Chewie or anything like that because, or at this point, BB-8, because those things don't age. And they're so iconic with Star Wars. Would they want to get rid of the Falcon and then never be able to use it again? Or would they keep the Falcon around because you just build a new Falcon whenever you need to? You see what I'm... Does that make sense? I see what you're saying, but I think think it'll meet an end the way Han Solo met an end. You know, like, there will come a time when there will be an, an emotional death of the Falcon. Like, that'll be part of the movie. Like, you know, you have an emotional connection to this ship, and they'll use that as you know an, an emotional hook i feel like yeah while it might not be smart i i just i don't know i i see it happening i see see i see the falcon going on like i could see you know we where we get to a point at some time maybe in our lifetime where we're 50 or 100 years storyline wise out from the force awakens and someone still got the falcon because like I said, it's it's something you can always bring back. You don't have to worry about. I mean, the I, actor I totally see what you're saying, and I totally agree. Passing. I mean, it could um, happen. Uh, and then you know, with Chewie, like the reason I use Chewie as an example is because Peter Mayhew isn't really doing Chewie much anymore here and there. And now they got that new guy who is, for all intents and purposes, is the new Chewie. All you need is a real tall dude that's uh, willing to get in that Swedish. costume. Scandinavian and. Uh, that's something I was always expecting to happen in the prequels and never got. And it was kind of a disappointment to me was that new hero ship. I always thought we were going to get that. And I almost seemed like maybe they were going to go that way with Amidala's ship and the Phantom Menace, which mm-hmm. I still maintain as a cool design and a cool looking ship. But, it, you know, they just never really did anything with it. And then she had a different ship in Attack of the Clones. They got blown I like up. the Jedi Starfighters. I do too, but they don't even they feel... They weren't that, yeah, that home-based ship. Like, see, the thing is, is the Falcon for a ship definitely has its own personality. It's fickle. Right. It's always breaking down, you know. All together. Um, they haven't really done that. And, and you know, the, he, the Ghost is probably the closest that they've come to that, even though, like, it's not like they always have problems with the Ghost... But it is like their sort of home base, for lack of a better mm-hmm. term. Um, 
the executor and, i see man i love that fucking executor damn that's yep. a cool ship but you know when you think about it it's not it's not uh, unique like the falcon and then of course i love slave one because it's boba fett's ship but it's once again like it it looks cool i it, it flies in a weird way it makes neat noises and shit but it still doesn't have that feel to it that like the falcon does so yeah i want to see that i would love to see a new sort of reoccurring hero ship absolutely in star Wars. and i totally agree that the indoor fight the star fight is the best it's got the most suspense it's basically the longest you know uh space fight it's got the most ships that's the thing got... it, not just the most ships the most ver- i'm pretty sure there's more ships in the battle like number of ships in the battle of coruscant at the beginning of the revenge variety, of the Sith. Right. variety like you've got a wings and b wings and x wings and y wings and the falcon and all the mon calamari cruisers and the medical frigate and yeah. all that cool shit and then and everything is on the line that totally right but yeah. the funny thing if you think about that Neither Han Solo nor Luke Skywalker participate in that fight. They don't, know. I mean, he even brought it up that it's Lando and Nia Nub. And yep. boy, I mean, look, I love me some Nia Nub, though. And it doesn't even matter that Han and Luke aren't involved in that fight. It's still badass. So badass, you don't even have to have them in it. You know, you got Wedge up there whipping around. And to me, them going inside that Death Star on Return of the Jedi is infinitely more impressive and thrilling than the trench run in a new hope. The trench run in a new hope is fucking classic. We'll be classic, but it's drawn out a little bit. Yeah. And it's, it seems like when you're watching the movie and they always try to spice it up in video games and stuff, but it kind of seems just like a straight line when Mm -hmm. they're going inside the, the, you know, uh, inside of the Death Star and Return of the Jedi, they're whipping around corners and, and, and like you know taking sharp right turns and almost crashing and ships blowing up all around them. It's so it, cool. It's, yeah, speaks to your ability as a pilot yeah. and how you'd better be a badass to pull this off. So, and then you know the Rogue One uh, space battle is amazing. It is absolutely amazing. Probably my favorite part of the movie. But then you also run into, like, you don't really know any of the pilots going That's in. That's the thing. You're not emotionally connected to any of those pilots. Like, it's it's all X-Wings and, and stuff on the Rebel side and just regular TIE fighters on the Empire side. And not that classic. there's anything. Classic. Very classic. Very cool looking. But not emotionally invested. But it's also not supposed to be big and drawn out like in Return of the Jedi. Because in Return of the Jedi, that's... That's the entire rebel fleet coming together in like a, like a, you know, last ditch effort to defeat the empire. So you're not supposed to see the rebellion all formed together and working together like that in Rogue One. So I get it. It's just that one in Jedi is always going to be my favorite, I think. I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be another one to top that. Or at least come close. I'm hoping there's some sweet space battle action in eight. Something tells me the Falcon and Poe Dameron are going to do the deed in space at some point. So that was always, you know, I think it was probably because they were very, well, not very, but they're sort of upfront with the fact that Poe Dameron was um, originally axed. No, that he was a pilot. Like before the movie came out, like, you know, people were like, oh, you're a pilot. And a lot of people were like, oh, he's going to fly the Falcon at some point. 
I wonder if that will happen. I wonder if we will see Poe Dameron. That, w- that wasn't originally what I meant, but would be cool. I meant that both of them will be in, in a, a battle a star together battle separately, yeah. you know, together. Yeah, I, I like more the idea of Poe staying in his X Wing. That's another yeah, one. Like, if that's Poe's, his paintbrush. He's an artist, and that super badass X Wing is his paintbrush. If the. If the um, black and orange X-Wing continues through this trilogy, I could see that becoming pretty iconic. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? Because I know it's sort of a cheap move to just like paint it black to make it look cooler. But that's one where I think they did a pretty great job on it. Not if it's cool. Yeah. So, like, I could see his ship, you know, his X-Wing becoming pretty iconic. I'm looking at it right now sitting on my coffee table across the room. It looks awesome. I'm also looking at the U-Wing, which looks awesome, but I think part of it was that it it wasn't the only one. If, like, that was just Cassian's ship, but it seems like, you know, we saw other... And it also has that space space Uber feel to it. Like, it's a troop transport. Yeah. You know, it's got the shuttle Tidarian feel to it. Yeah. I, I'm going to be honest, I kind of originally hated on the Hasbro U-Wing, but now that I got it on clearance, or buddy Jeremy found it for me on clearance, and I'm looking at it, it's a pretty nice little toy. It could mm-hmm. use some some weathering. It looks a little new, but, you know, they don't do the crazy paint jobs on them and stuff, but it looks some cool. some decals, some blaster points. Yeah, I should, maybe I should paint it up, make it look more old and beat up and shit and let's be honest the scale is totally off there's no there's no troops fitting in the underside of this so basically we're at the point in a star wars in our podcast where i'm just staring at a star wars toy sitting on a table and talking about (laughs) it scratching your beard like hmm i am scratching my beard i am playing with my beard i got in a trance looking at star wars toys that shit happens all right well i think on that note that's gonna do it for us this week um Thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you next week. If you like our theme song, you should support the band who was kind enough to provide the music. They are Stoned Cobra, and you can get them on iTunes, on Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. The drummer put his balls on my daddy's cowbell. On my daddy cowbell. It was on my daddy cowbell. It was my daddy's cowbell. All right. I've got witnesses, because you... We can discuss this when I get my daddy cowbell out of storage. Because okay. I, I know it's my daddy cowbell because it's got his name on it. We, we were both I'm passed down sure our father's. I'm pretty sure it was father's. my cowbell. You went, out, you went into your room to get your cowbell after Brad put his balls on my daddy cowbell during a Mississippi State and Alabama game. I thought it was in the living room. It Mine was in the living room. Yours was in See, your I room. I thought mine was in. Okay, all right. I've got. We'll bring a witness, star witness, Steve Cobra. The fact he was that there. he put his balls on the cowbell was just so traumatizing. <laughs> I just, just I, I, I got all mixed up instantly. I felt I, I, memor, I memorized that memory wrong. Yep. That my daddy cowbell. All right. Um, check out our new Kia D shirt at tpublic.com/user/blueharvestpodcast. It's really cool looking, guys, and I'm not just saying that because. I'm so fucking in love with the design. It's really great looking. Um, And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, Will, you got anything to add? Nope. All right. Well, for Blue Harvest, I'm Halls Burkhart. I'm Will Witten. May the force be with you. May the force be with all of you. May the force be with us.